Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Revelation 7, um, from verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, So you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, my name's David Williams. I work next door at St Andrew's Hall, which is the CMS Training College. uh, And I'm on faculty here at Ridley teaching with Louise um, Mission Perspectives Uh, This semester, and uh, we teach mission in a culturally diverse context and living faiths. They're all fantastic subjects. Please sign up for them. (laughs) Uh, Let me pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that great vision um, painted for us uh, in that beautiful passage in Revelation 7. As we look at this and think about your mission, uh, we pray that you would encourage and inspire us as servants of the Lord Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. So this is the last uh, in a series of sermons this week, thinking about mission in Global Mission Week. And uh, our title today is Why Mission? Um, And so I'm going to be unpacking that a little bit. uh, But I also uh, want to share with you the story of my colleague, Isabel Dale, who many of you will know, and you will know that she died Uh, Just over a week ago, we're anticipating her funeral on uh, Saturday afternoon at St. Jude's. Uh, So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her story and why she invested her life in mission from this passage. So uh, actually, Isabel spent pretty much her entire adult life uh, in mission. Uh, At the end of first year uni, she decided that the uni course that she was uh, studying didn't take her in the direction that she wanted to in her service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she went to the central desert area uh, of Australia to join two Wycliffe Bible or Wycliffe Bible translator team and helped work on a Pitchinjara 
Bible translation, realised that she needed more Bible, came back, did Bible college, uh, married her husband, Lauren. Uh, They then went to Jordan to learn Arabic uh, for three years, expecting at that point to return to ministry long-term in Indonesia. Uh, But under God, they fell in love with that part of the world uh, and then spent 17 years in Egypt, um, serving in a range of different contexts um, from really very rural and remote uh, through to um, working in Cairo. Isabel completed her first PhD. Yes, you heard that right. Her first PhD based uh, on a piece of ethnography that she did with Egyptian women around literacy and education. Uh, After uh, many years of ministry there at the end of a home assignment, she and Lauren flew back in with their children into Egypt and were blocked at the border and were deported. Um, Lauren has the uh, history of having been sacked and deported for sacked and deported for evangelism once and sacked for evangelism twice. Isn't that a great record? Wouldn't you love to be sacked for evangelism? So uh, very traumatically, they weren't able to re-enter Egypt. Um, were asked, you know, where do you want to go next? You're not staying here. They'd just come back from home assignment in Australia, so they didn't want to come back here. They were serving in mission. So they jumped on to Jordan and then were able to relocate to Syria and had uh, three or four years in Syria. Uh, Isabel completed another piece of ethnographic research where she joined a women's mosque program. And uh, that then she wrote that up. That became her second PhD and the first book that she published. Uh, They then came back to Australia for a home assignment in 2007. Um, And in the course of uh, that period of time, uh, a number of things happened for them as a family. And then, of course, Syria completely fell apart uh, as a country. And so she and uh, Lauren joined the faculty at St. Andrew's Hall and spent the last 15 years training missionaries with us for CMS but also working significantly across a whole range of contexts um, in Australia, including adjunct faculty here and at um, Melbourne School of Theology, teaching at MST, at SMBC, at Columbia International University in the States, helping to establish the When Women Speak program and also the Angelina Noble Centre. Why did she invest her whole adult life in mission? Well, Revelation 7 helps to unpack that for us. Um, This is an emergency sermon, as you'll have realized, so I've got three points, all beginning with the same letter. (laughs) First reason why we should invest our lives in mission is because of a great tribulation. So in that passage, we read about the saints gathered around the throne who have come to the throne of the Lamb from the great tribulation. And I think it's good for us to remind ourselves that most Christians throughout the world today live a life that is characterized by daily hardship and suffering. Now, there might be a range of 
views in the room about what the Great Tribulation is. I think it's talking about the general experience of life on earth for most Christians, which looks like endless cycles of continued hostility and persecution and significant tribulation. That experience is certainly true of the Christians who I worked with uh, in Kenya in my mission experience and is certainly true of the Christians in Egypt and Syria that Isabel would have worked alongside. I think of uh, a woman that uh, Rachel, my wife, and I knew in the, who lived in the slums in Nairobi, uh, a church member, someone who was clearly born again and professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who had twins and was faced with the impossible choice of either going to work, earning money to feed her twins and leave them with a five-year-old, the next-door neighbor's child, who couldn't really care for them, or to stay at home and look after her twins and have no money to feed them. Or a student of mine called Wario, who came to Christ from a Muslim background in northern Kenya, who was thrown out of his family home, headed into ministry, and was relentlessly persecuted by his own community. Our brothers and sisters around the world are living in a great tribulation. And Revelation 7 points a beautiful picture that the new creation will free us from that suffering. There'll be no more hunger or thirst. That might not be that exciting for you. You might not know what it is to be hungry and thirsty, but many of our brothers and sisters around the world know that reality. There will be no more tears. The reality is that most of God's people in the world in 2022 are poor and are suffering. And for them, the good news of the gospel is truly good news. It is, in Jesus's words, good news to the poor. And perhaps that's why Christianity struggles in the affluent West, where our standards of living and our quality of life are higher than at any other time in human history. We think we have heaven now. And so what is good about the good news for us? I don't think that mission is about building heaven on earth. The gospel is a message of good news that gives suffering people hope for the future. And that hope comes both from the words that we proclaim from a gospel that is truly good news for the poor and through our actions as we form communities of love and care that provide a foretaste of the future heavenly community. Like all people who've served long-term in mission, Isabel saw in her lived experience much, much evidence of this great tribulation. But she also saw what a difference the gospel makes to human suffering. Great tribulation, a great multitude, verse 9. Verse 9 tells us that the saints around the throne represent 
a great multitude who are gathered from every tribe and nation and people and language. So the new creation will be a diverse, multi-ethnic and multicultural place. There is no space in the new creation for racism or tribalism. So every tribe and language will be represented and according to Revelation will be identifiable. But the key point here is we will be united. Every tribe and language and nation represented around the throne of the Lamb. And that truth has been one of the great motivators for Christian mission. Christian mission movements through the uh, 19th, 20th into our current century have focused on reaching those people who, as far as we know, are not yet represented around the throne of grace. And so we continue to prioritize outreach to the gospel poor, to unreached people groups, so that every tribe and language and nation will be represented before the throne of the Lamb. That's the history of mission. It's the moment of mission that we live in. That same truth is powerfully motivating leaders of world Christianity. African Christian leaders, African friends and colleagues of mine are sitting in entirely churched Kenya and Uganda and looking to the dark continent of Europe and wondering who is going to reach it with the gospel. And so they are sending, they are sending their own people with the good news of Jesus to reach the unreached French and Spanish and Italian and British communities. But what is it that unites these people from so many tribal and national backgrounds? Uh, Well, the great multitude is united by a great salvation. My third point. The only thing that brings us to this new creation is the salvation that is offered to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 14 paints a startling, in fact, quite a confronting image for us. Uh, It's the image of our laundry detergent commercials. Uh, You see, you know, the mum with the the child's white T-shirt covered in ketchup and mud and drop it into the washing machine with Omo and it comes out crystal clean. I mean, I don't believe them for a moment, but that's (laughs) the image, isn't it? Imagine a laundry commercial with a bowl of blood and the filthy white T-shirt is dipped into the bowl of blood and comes out as white as snow. That's the image, the powerful image of the salvation that the Lord Jesus has worked for us. That's an image I think that would have been especially powerful for Isabel as a woman who worked amongst Muslim women in the Middle East for nearly 25 years. In most uh, Muslim cultures around the world today, the community's honor is located in a woman's body. 
And so how the woman folk in a community behave is considered to represent the honour of that community. And yet, as Isabel served and loved and worked alongside Muslim women, she learned that for so much of their lives, day after day, week after week, they are considered impure, unclean, unable to pray, unable to attend the mosque. And Isabel loved Muslim women because she longed for them to find the purity that comes only from the blood of Jesus, to find that true purity, not from external things, but that cleans our hearts and makes us new and allows us to gather around the throne of the Lamb and to worship him without spot or blemish. The Lord Jesus truly gives us a great salvation. So why mission? Well, because we live in a great tribulation, but we look forward to a wonderful future where a great salvation gathers us as a great multitude around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ, united in his praise and his glory. It's that promise that motivated Isabel to devote her whole adult life to service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's Claire and my prayer that this week during Global Mission Week, some of you might hear that call and think about what it means for you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps cross-culturally in Melbourne, perhaps cross-culturally across Australia, or maybe in the unreached parts of our world. Many of you will have uh, been shaped and influenced by AFES on your journey uh, into Christian ministry. Uh, in Melbourne, uh, University of Melbourne, I don't know how many staff workers they have at University of Melbourne, 10, 15. How many staff workers do you have at Monash, Karen? 16 staff workers at Monash. Uh, another, I don't know, 8, 10 at Deakin, and then more again at La Trobe, more again at ACU. In the city of Rome, which is university central in Italy, multiple universities, hundreds of thousands of university students, there's one staff worker for IFES, and that staff worker is a CMS missionary. We could place hundreds of gospel workers into university contexts around the world if people would put up their hand and answer this call to bring men and women to the throne of grace from every tribe and tongue and nation, as Isabel devoted her life to. So would you pray with me as we consider that call on our own lives? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Isabel's life and for her testimony and witness to us of someone who answered that call to mission, devoted her whole adult life to serving Muslim women across the Middle Near East and in Australia as well. We thank you for this great vision in Revelation 7 of the saints gathered around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look into our world and the tribulation 
that many people are experiencing. We pray that you would give us courage to witness to the Lord Jesus Christ in our day. And we pray that you might call us to serve you, that the Lord Jesus might be glorified. And we pray in his name. Amen.